the reason I chose coaching women on self-confidence was because this is what I know. This is what I've done for myself. And I wouldn't want somebody else to spend 25, 30 years building their confidence up when I can shorten it down for them and guide them. Welcome back to another episode of To Be Authentic, the only podcast that teaches you how to build a bridge to the life you want from the life you have using human design, the gene keys, and the work. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. I have a special guest today. Her name is Sue Reed. She is a 4-6 emotional manifesting generator, a Jay Shetty certified life and success coach focusing on self-confidence for women. She's the author of Building Confidence, How to Thrive as a Shy Person. She has a wonderful weekly podcast called Building Confidence with Sue Reed, and you can find her on social media at Instagram. And her handle is suereed1905. And she's also an online writer for medium.com. And you can access that channel through her links in her Instagram profile. So I'm so excited to welcome to the show, Sue Reed. Sue, do you want to say hello? Hello. (laughs) Hi, Stacey. I am so happy to be here. It's really exciting because we're going to be talking about something that I really don't know a lot about, so I'm so interested. Ah, So I'm fascinated with your journey to what you do today, which is confidence coaching. And I'd love you to really go back to your prior career before confidence coaching and your journey to realize that this was a problem that you wanted to solve, how you solve it for others, and just take your time. I just want to hear kind of your whole process of getting to the place where you are today that feels very inviting? Well, my transformation has been dramatic. It has taken years to get from A to B, but it's, you know, I've been building all the way. So when I was young, I was extremely shy. I had strict parents who wanted to protect me. They held on a little bit too tight. So on the one hand, I struggled to be free. So I was a bit of a rebel. But on the other hand, I had no self-confidence. So being a rebel without self-confidence is very dangerous because it gets you into all sorts of bad relationships and bad decisions because you don't have enough values and boundaries to really know what you truly want in life. So long story, but after having been a very shy child, growing up as a teenager, just wanting to fit in, but never quite fitting in or feeling like she didn't, I then went into a bad marriage. It wasn't a bad marriage at the start, but it certainly ended up as a bad marriage. So by the time we got divorced, I was 38 years old and I was, had zero confidence. So I'd kind of gone from being very shy with very little confidence, starting working in banking, which is my career for 42 years, and building up my confidence because I love talking to people. I really, really enjoyed building up a rapport with other people. And to give an an example of that, it was in the days before online banking. It was in the days before cash machines and things like that. So if you wanted to go into a bank, you had to queue up. So then queue up at one of the nine tills we had. And other cashiers would be free, but regular customers used to queue up at my till because they'd rather talk to me than go to somebody else. Because we had this kind of rule that you weren't supposed to talk to customers because what they wanted to do was come in and get their business done and go out again. But actually, people don't want that. They want connection. They want to be talked to. And that's what I was doing, even though I wasn't supposed to. And so I was getting that attention, building up that rapport, which I loved. And my confidence started to grow. But having met my husband, gone through a bad marriage, I ended up with zero confidence again, like completely knocked into the ground. So at that point, I thought, I've got to make a decision. I either stay a victim. And I can go through all the woe is me. I can't do this because I'm so shy. I can't do this because I haven't got any confidence and probably end up in another bad relationship. Or I could get up off the ground and say, right, 
I'm going to do something about this. I'm not staying down here. I'm going to build myself up. At the time, I looked in my wardrobe and all of my clothes were either black or white. So it was kind of that fade to gray. <laughs> you like, didn't want to be noticed or seen. So I started by reading self-help books. And like I say, I still enjoyed my career and, and that helps me an awful lot. That was kind of what I clung on to, which on the one hand was good because it helped me build my confidence. It gave me something, like I say, to hold on to. And it made me very successful, but it also meant that I was on the verge of burnout as well because I was pushing everything into it. But on the other hand, I started reading these self-help books, starting with Robin Sharma, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, which started to change my life. I started meditating. I started looking into all sorts of things like spirituality, energy, mindfulness, everything. I just started taking it all in, consuming it all as much as I possibly could. I could have gone to a therapist. They weren't really life coaches around at that time. So I'm talking like 25, 30 years ago. So I could have gone to a therapist counselor, but I didn't want to. I wasn't in the position to tell anybody my story because I was still feeling guilty, blaming myself, hadn't forgiven myself yet for what I'd done to myself, the life I'd brought on to myself. So I just did it myself. I just slowly, slowly built up. And the more I worked on myself, the more confident I became. And then I did really well in my career. I loved talking to people. I loved helping people. I thought I would really love to get into coaching, but there wasn't really any positions in the banking world that were suitable that really was one of those kind of jobs that they add on because they need to tick a box, but they're not really that in interested in it sort of thing at the time. So I didn't want to do that. So when I paid off all my mortgages and everything, and I remarried, by the way, I've been married 25 years this year, really, really happy marriage this time. And he's kind of been my rock and I think I've been his. So at the age of 60, I thought, right, I'm going to retire now. I've done everything I wanted to do. And Having retired, I then thought, right, now I can get into coaching. But then, of course, we went into lockdown. So I wrote my book, Building Confidence, during lockdown and had it published just after. And I did the Jay Shetty certification course and graduated last year in May. And the reason I chose coaching women on self-confidence was because this is what I know. This is what I've done for myself. And I wouldn't want somebody else to spend 25, 30 years building their confidence up when I can shorten it down for them and guide them in a much more practical way. That's basically my story up to now. And the change in me is amazing. Just amazing. I'm just not the same person anymore. I am so confident now. I mean, there's still things I worry about, silly little things like whether I'll find a parking space in the car park, stuff like that. But apart from that, I can talk to anybody. I can talk to strangers. I can go on podcasts like this. And as you can tell, talk for England. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really happy. That was awesome. My first question for you is you started this new career at the age of 60 basically in publishing your book. What does retirement mean to you? Or is there any such thing now in, in our lifetime? I think in our modern age, retirement is changing. In the UK, retirement age for young people now is like 68. It will probably be 70 for state retirement age. But I think people do want to continue doing something after retirement. I think people don't just, you know, sit around and watch daytime TV anymore. I mean, some people might do, but I think a lot of people now want to do something different and they see it as a new chapter rather than the end of their working life. They see it as, right, I can now do something I really want to do rather than something that pays the bills. So yeah, I don't know how to do nothing. I don't know how you do that. I mean, I have my hobbies. I, my husband's retired as well. So we spend a lot of time together. We do lovely things. I've got two grandchildren. I've got my garden. I'm 
learning, teaching myself how to grow my own vegetables. So I've got two vegetable trucks for this year and I've got my little vegetable patch. So I'm growing all sorts of stuff. During lockdown, I learned how to bake bread. So I've not stopped baking. I continue to bake my own bread and I haven't bought a loaf of bread since before 2020. And I bake everything I possibly can. And I've, you know, teaching myself to cook. So I love all that kind of creative, anything creative, I love. So yeah, retirement, I don't think retirement's the same anymore. Retirement is starting a new chapter. That's how I see it. That is so inspiring. I have truth bumps, waves of truth bumps, the way that you speak of that. And this process of constantly learning so many things you've said, it, it just fascinates me when we go into your human design reading, you're going to see yourself in, in a really magnificent way with the, the things that you've already shared. The other thing I am really inspired by in you, Sue, is this willingness to, again, open up and embrace a new chapter. And I'm wondering for all of the learning, what is the biggest thing that's shifted in you? You said earlier that you're very self-confident now. What do you think is the one key thing that has shifted from not having confidence to having confidence? Is it, for example, a sense of personal agency? Is it a sense of self-awareness? What is it do you think that you can pinpoint that has really kind of locked you into a very different way of showing up, which is very self-assured and secure. Is there anything mm. you can point to? Yeah, I can. I mean, there's no pivotal moment when I went from shy to confident. There's no turning point. So it's a gradual process. But I think probably the two things that have helped me the most, one is meditation. So just daily meditation, which is really just quieting your mind and giving your mind time to reflect and really um, sort itself out. Um, and the other one is journaling. So just journaling how you feel every day, self-reflection. The more you understand yourself, the more confident you are going to be. Why is that? I think everybody has confidence in some areas of their life. So for example, I was, you know, I was confident at work. I was confident when I was very young, when I was reading books, I was a confident reader. I could read in class. I could stand up and read. I wasn't too shy to do that because I loved reading and I loved writing. But I think the self-reflection, understanding yourself, you know how you work. You can see how you work. You know what things upset you. You can work out your values. You can work out what's important to you. So if you think to yourself, right, that's just irritated me. And then think, not just, oh, I'm annoyed now. Why am I annoyed? Why did that just irritate me? And that will give you a big clue to what your values are. So for instance, I get annoyed if people make an arrangement to meet me, so a friend or even a client, and they're late. That annoys me because I think it's disrespectful if you're not on time. That kind of thing just irritates me. No, it doesn't make me mad, but it irritates me. So I looked at that and I thought, why does that irritate me? And I think it's because I always make a, a huge effort to be on time. It's very rare that I would be late for anything. And I think that must be one of my values. Now, I don't know why that's a value, but obviously it is something to my soul. It's important. So that kind of um, tells me why little things like that annoy me. Um, it's just a matter of understanding yourself. And you can really, really get to know how you work by what I call becoming the watcher. So even if you're not writing it down, if you're watching your thoughts, why did I just think that? When she said that, why did I think that? Why am I making those assumptions? And just questioning everything like a child, keep asking why. That's beautiful. That's why I include the work with Byron Katie in the kind of coaching that I do, because it's all about that inquiry. It's about understanding yourself and your own motivations and those stories and detaching from making that a demand on the other. So I'm curious. So when you even talk about the, oh, that's interesting that I'm irritated when people show up late. When I heard you speaking, I picked up this sense of when you start to inquire about that value in yourself, 
that automatically allows you to detach from an expectation or a judgment of the other. Is that fair to say or no? Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, because, you know, you're thinking to yourself, but it's just a thought. It's, that's just a thought. It's something that, yes, it's, it's mildly irritating, but, you know, I don't know why the person's late. <laughs> they could have just been finishing off a meeting themselves or it could be traffic. You know, they haven't sat there and thought, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to really annoy her and be late. <laughs> People generally don't do it on purpose. <laughs> that is so funny. So I'm so excited to introduce you to your human design. Before we go to the screen share, a couple of things you said really resonated with me. Part of the reason why I love doing this work is because I want to show people what they have to work with. In the same way that you've said, people shouldn't need 30 years to grow their self-confidence. <laughs> I can short circuit that process for them, give them those tools now so that they can live more of their life longer, right? Mm. Human design is the same thing. Human design is a blueprint to what I like to say is your superpowers and your kryptonite. So the superpowers are the things that you came into this world with, your talents, a certain way of operating that you have conscious access to 24-7, also unconscious access to, except you just can't pinpoint that when we're in the unconscious realm. But there are certain qualities about how you're built that you are here to put in place in order to further and enhance humanity. It's really about the evolution of the human species. So that's the superpower side. The kryptonite side, which I'm even more fascinated with often, is all the areas of our design that are open or undefined, which means they make us more vulnerable to conditioning. The conditioning messages of our parents, of our teachers, of um, religious leaders, of political leaders, of society, just that whole society, all of these um, external, quote unquote, authorities telling us who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to love, what we're supposed to like, who we're supposed to love. There's enormous pressure from the outside to fit in because that's a natural survival instinct, right? And so what happens when you see your human design is you actually now have something to work with consciously when you go into your life to question, to bring back your whole notion of inquiry, why am I feeling triggered? Because when we're triggered, that is a sign that we are operating out of what's called not self. We're operating out of that conditioned part of us that is fundamentally insecure and feels threatened. When we are secure and safe, we are operating from our true self, from the part that is untouchable from what others say we must love or be. So I'm so excited to show you your designs. This is your chart, Sue. When we talk about a human design reading, my focus for our exchange today is really just about your superpowers and your kryptonite. I'm all about getting to, you know, what are the key takeaways so that we can start using them and make it practical and applied in our lives so that we can start changing up our lives in a powerful way. And so there are so many layers to human design. You could have many, many, many readings and still only scratch the surface. It's part of why I encourage people to do longer term engagements, because the whole point of human design is you have to learn to embody your design and you embody that through your decision making authority, which we'll talk about shortly. But what I want to start off with is who you are not. I think it's always super important because this is where you're going to be vulnerable to conditioning. We're going to start out with what you're not, because this, I think, is more important almost for people to learn and recognize than what they are, because it's all the places that you're vulnerable to conditioning, conditioning to the world's messages that we just talked about, the conditioning that creates self-doubt and lack of a sense of identity, because you're just not sure, because you're being told you're supposed to be one way, but you may have a yearning to be another way. So all of your openness, the places where you are 
going to be most vulnerable to conditioning is mind. So open head and undefined ajna. This is the ajna. This is the head. This is all where the mental processing is. It's the pressure to think, to come up with ideas, to have relevant concepts, stories that you can share. Again, all manifestation roads lead to the throat where we express our words and deeds effectively. The other place where you are undefined is your spleen. And this is connected biologically to the immune system. And it's also all of our survival fear, okay? And you have two activations here regarding your survival fear. So you have certain sensitivities to particular fears and ways of overcoming them. So I can tell you right now, this 28 gate, because I have this as an activation as well, for example, is the fear of death, but it's not particularly death. It's dying without having found your purpose, right? And it's part of the channel of struggle. And the channel of struggle is really the struggle to make life meaningful, right? To make sure that we're not just using up space while we're here, that we're making something of our lives. And you have that. So that fear is probably something that has been always present in you in some way. And sometimes it gets activated because of the ways that you're connecting with others. And they might have the opposite uh, gate uh, that allows you to really express that quality. The other areas that you will find yourself open to conditioning are these two. And these, I would say, Sue, when you talked about your upbringing, I think these are areas where your conditioning, you really had to battle your way back to finding yourself because this one, your undefined G, personally, I I think of it as GPS because this center is all about personal identity, what we believe and value, as you talked about values, right? The values of being on time, for example our direction in life, right? What path do we want to take? What path feels right to me to express myself, right? And love. Who or what do I love? These things are all about the individual. And that's why I call it your individual GPS, where you're going to be driven. People with a defined G have a very And by the way, there's no good or bad to defined or undefined. So I need to always make that clear in every episode of this podcast. There is no value judgment. It is what it is. And all we're saying is you're undefined here, which means this is not where you bring expertise into this life. This is where you are to grow wise. This is where you are going to work through conditioning to the place of what it means to be true to who you are right? And you've been on that path, it sounds like, from your opening story, which is beautiful. The other part, and this is what you specialize in, and I love to see you have an undefined ego, which is the heart. It's connected to the heart in terms of our biology. And the ego is the will center. It's the center of promises. It's the center of material bargains, right? It's very tribal. And the thing about human design in our society, only 35% of humanity has defined will or ego or heart. I use these interchangeably, okay? And think of what that does to our society when 65% of the people walking around have come into this world with an undefined or open ego slash will slash heart, not knowing their true worth, allowing others to tell them what they're worth or not worth, allowing others' approval to determine how much someone approves of themselves. Do you see how destructive this can be in an individual life? So what I think is so fascinating, Sue, about your design is you've spent your life, it seems to me, when you decided, I'm a shy person and I've struggled with self-confidence. I'm going to do something about that, right? And so you did. You went on a path to figure out, well, what are the things that, who am I? All the journaling, all the meditation, all those self-help books, this is what you were doing. Let me figure out who am I 
right? And then how can I serve, right? How can I serve? And you're doing this. So you have grown so wise in these Mm -hmm. areas of your openness or lack of definition, which is why we're here. And now what you're doing, and this is where you're going to be super excited. So we're transitioning now your superpowers because this plays into that. But before I leave, I need to point out a couple of other things that are part of the kryptonite equation, okay? So another place for your kryptonite is the small split definition. We've been talking about short-circuiting the process for others who do not have a lot of self-confidence, helping them, especially women, find that, build that, cultivate that in themselves. What's interesting is this small split is where we, let me back up. So this notion of circuitry, we are all plugging into each other all the time. And some people have circuitry in their design that is a single circuit. And it's called single definition. Your circuitry is called a split definition. And it's a small split because it only requires one gate to close it so that you are one continuous circuit of energy expressing itself. And so I just want to show you here. So this is one of the gates, 35, right? Which is part of this channel, which is the channel of transitoriness. And it's a, a collective abstract channel which is all about, I call it the FOMO channel. I have some clients who have this and it's all about feeling every feeling and experiencing every experience. And it has this greedy nature about it that's really playful and loving and just wants to enjoy all of life. And and so your design, you're always gonna be wanting to close that, right? Because we are naturally drawn to what we're not. And so you're going to be seeking to, to bridge that, right? Because then if you were to close that gate, then you'd have this one long, beautiful, continuous circuit of energy expressing itself. Mm-hmm. The other gate is this one, gate nine, which is part of the channel of focus or concentration. And nine is the gate of small details. And if you had gate nine activated, it would be, as a continuous circuit like this, right? And the other gate for you is gate six, which is the channel of mating. And I have a client with this channel, no kids, never had a desire for that, but a powerful inventor has been inventing products and technologies for the last 30 years. This just manic, wonderful quality of harnessing the power of his ingenuity and working with others to create uh, engineering products. And so if you had gate six defined, it would be this sort of continuous circuit. So I just wanted to give that little lesson on circuitry because where you are split, these can oftentimes create problems because again, your energy is wanting to close that bridge to reach over to the other side And that's a place where one can be vulnerable and more vulnerable when that bridge is with, say, an an undefined or open uh, center. The last thing that I just want to comment about your kryptonite and the way it would operate with you, because there's a beautiful, fluid way that our not-self takes over. And it takes over out of our childhood experiences where we just wanted to survive and we needed to survive by fitting in, following the rules uh, and going along to get along, right? And so for you, what I would imagine would happen a lot is that your mind starts to tell you stories about not being good enough here, not knowing what you really value so that you're much more open than you need to be to others' expectations of you because mm-hmm. you were not allowed to have a sense of your own identity. And it felt scary to do that because you didn't know how to go about filling that wound. And so this would just continue until you decide to look at it 
and call its bluff, right? And get the mind out of the process. And that's one of the most valuable part of human design is recognizing that we have given a lot of authority to our minds to make our personal decisions. And our minds actually have been hijacked by our egos. They're a proxy for our egos. And they tell us that we need to be certain ways because we're vulnerable to the messaging of the external world. What human design does is it causes you to embody your decision-making in a way that's correct for your design. And our job is to make our mind our ally in that sense, to really go to our authority, in your case, which we'll get to in a moment, it's emotional, but to consult our minds, give them a voice. Because if you don't give them a voice in the same way that you use inquiry to allow this part of you that's, "Mm, I'm irritated, (laughs) someone turned up, (laughs) you know, this is what we have to do with our minds. And the second that we inquire our minds and give it a stage, we neutralize its power over us. So I'm going to pause here before we go to your superpowers and just want to hear what came up for you or if there are any reflections on this. Yeah, no, that was really interesting because uh, what I didn't tell you was that working in the bank, although I loved my career, that career was chosen for me by my father because. I I believed I wasn't very clever at school. I had this thought that I wasn't very clever because I was always compared to my sister, who, and I've mentioned that a lot on different podcast episodes, that she was always the clever one. She went to university, I didn't. She went to grammar school, I went to the state school. And nothing was ever good enough for my dad. So if you passed a test and you got, 99% he'd say, why didn't you get a hundred? What was the one you got wrong? And so nothing was ever good enough. So one thing I figured out when I went through my coaching certification, because we did a lot of work on ourselves. And the one thing that really came up for me was that I had spent my whole life trying to prove myself to my father that I am good enough. Mm. I spent that, all those years were spent trying to prove myself. So all the successes I had, it was me saying to my dad, am I good enough now? No. Am I good enough now? Not that he ever said that because he he died very young. He was only 52 when he died. So I never actually had the chance of him saying to me, yes, you're fine. So I, I spent my whole life trying to prove that to him. So yeah, that does make an awful lot of sense what you've said, that I didn't really feel I had any direction or a proper identity because I was always being told what I needed to do. Um, and my dad meant that in the, with the best possible interest, you know, with love in mind, because he thought she can't make up her mind what she wants to do. You know, she's pretty useless at everything. So I'm going to, I'm going to help her. I'm going to tell her. But actually, what I've learned over the years is, no, actually, I do have a brain. I am really intelligent, but I can do whatever I want to do. I can be successful. And now I don't have anything to prove. I've got nothing to prove to anybody now. Make my peace with my, my deceased father. And Sue, thank you for sharing that. That is a really, really powerful revelation. And I really appreciate you sharing that. Human design, when parents start to use this as a tool for their parenting to really tune into the unique nature of each child. It transforms the parent-child relationship and it transforms the child because every child needs a little bit of different kind of connection. So your father did the best he could with what he had. So this isn't blaming or shaming or making anyone bad at all. But for you with this undefined G, the last thing in the world that you needed was somebody telling you who you needed to be. Instead, you needed somebody to be there inviting you to try lots of different things and to help connect you to what does it feel like when you do X or Y or Z, but give you that gentle exposure to more so that you could develop the sense of what it is that you love, right? What is it that you really want to do? Who are you? So that's very, very interesting. And the last thing you said, which was so beautiful, I no longer have to prove myself to anybody. I mean, you've graduated. 
You graduated <laughs> from this life. I got that. Yeah. Next life, you will certainly have a defined ego. You will be one of the 35%. So but when one reaches that point, especially with an undefined or open ego, you've made it. And the other thing I want to say about no good or bad when things are defined or undefined, we are still open to conditioning when we are defined. And so you can imagine a defined ego where the conditioned side of a defined ego would be the exaggerated ego of doing no wrong. There's such thing as a healthy and unhealthy defined ego. So I just wanted to be clear about that. So now to talk about your superpowers. You're a 4-6 emotional manifesting generator. The 4-6 is pulled from your sun and earth signs with the planet energies when you were born and about three months prior. Your decision-making authority is your solar plexus. It's this piece here. And you are a manifesting generator. In fact, you're a pure manifesting generator because you have this wonderful channel, the channel of charisma. And but it's not conscious to you. But I'll, this is why I would guarantee the lines were long for you at the bank teller. <laughs> People were drawn to your magnetic energy. And this is what happens with manifesting generators is that there is this magnetism. You have a defined solar plexus. This is the area of a regulated nervous system. You also have defined throat, which is our expression of word and deed. Defined sacral, which is about energy. So you said something, I wrote it down. I don't know how to do nothing. That is a classic <laughs> manifesting generator. And it may not be conscious to you and the black and the red just really quickly the black when that shows up in our chart we have a conscious sense of that quality in us and we may even exaggerate it the red is where we are unconscious but it's in us and i always think the way to see our unconscious talents is in the patterns in the rearview window and how they add up to see the evidence of the unconscious channels what's interesting is how People, when they're tuning into you, they actually recognize the unconscious. And so this gets really interesting because you might not recognize it. So this is another energy center, defined root. And this is connected to our adrenal glands. It's the acorn that feels the need to rise up and become the oak tree. It's this pressure center to be and the fuel to initiate. You have access to these energies 24-7. In terms of your channels, we talked about the channel of charisma. This to me is the channel that, again, going back to the banking episode, this is why I think people were drawn to your line because you are a manifesting generator. You also, I believe you had this regulated nervous system. And the regulated nervous system, about half of us have our solar plexus defined, half of us don't. And those of us who don't often think of ourselves as empaths because we take on the feelings of others. So it's beyond just compassion. It's we can't separate our feelings from the others. And that's actually an, an unhealthy way to have an undefined or open solar plexus. We have to develop the ability to filter out someone else's suffering. Not that we don't see it and we don't have compassion and hold space for that, but we don't have to carry it in our bodies. And so you're, I, I believe with this defined solar plexus, this regulated nervous system is very calming for people who don't feel that. And especially when you're talking about money, right? <laughs> your old job. And now when you're talking about confidence in your new job, this is a very nice energy to be around because you're not high strung. You're in yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And so this channel, this is the channel of emoting. And there are different keynote phrases in different schools of human design. So the channel of emoting is from International Human Design School. I was listening to Richard Rudd's Gene Keys, which my prescription for you would be to go home and listen to Gene Keys 39 and 55 and read his write-ups on those in the Gene Keys book. 
this is an amazing, very, very special channel. And the people with this channel, Sue, are here to spread ideas that they realize the world needs in order to elevate and transform humanity. And this is an incredibly powerful channel. It should feel in a way like you've been chosen. And what I think is marvelous is this field that you're in, where 65% of us are walking around doubting our worth and our value. And here you are with a solution and a way to help people rectify that. And it's just magical when I look at your chart and see this. Lovely to hear because, again, going back to when I was young, I used to like to read a lot. I used to read my older brother's Marvel comics um, because I was mad on superheroes. And as a shy little girl, I wanted to be a superhero when I grew up. I wanted to be able to save people. <laughs> and I think in a way, I've never become a superhero, <laughs> but in a way I am, because if I can help one person become a confident woman, then I'm a superhero. So, so that does line up with that. And the other thing you said about the calming effects and being strong in the throat and voice People are always telling me from listening to my podcast episodes that they just find my voice so relaxing. And I'd never, you know, nobody likes their own voice, do they? So I'd never noticed that in myself. But so many people have said, your voice is just so relaxing. I could listen to you all day. So yeah, it does all go together. Brilliant. That's so fascinating. The last thing I want to point out about your chart, because it's your mythology, right? Our charts are creating a sort of mythology. And what I think is beautiful is this channel of charisma from the sacral to the throat is one of the integration channels. And integration is all about self-empowerment, which has been the journey where you've empowered yourself to solve this challenge of confidence. And then there's this channel, which is all about the individual, and again, your purpose or life theme, the cross of contagion, using now what you've done for yourself to make it real and guide others in order for this broader transformation and elevation of our humanity. So I just wanted to say like how neatly it fits. And to me, it's like, wow, you're on your path, right? And, <laughs> and you are living it. And not that you need anyone's approval. We already know that you don't need anyone's approval. But to see your design and how it has captured your life's journey to where you are, to what you've overcome in order to get to where you are and how it is uh, fueling you to keep doing what you're doing in a way of serving the greater good. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. So the thing about human design, when people get their chart, they really need to get their accurate time because I always worry that people will get attached to a design that is not theirs. And I went through this in my own experience where I plugged in a, a time that I thought was when I was born and it was a half hour difference. And major things in my chart changed. And all of a sudden, I felt so depressed because I had grown to love the chart I had been using. And thankfully, I had used my birth certificate information on that first chart. So I didn't have to use the other one. But it, it gave me the experience of what it's like if you start working with the wrong chart because you get attached to it. So the importance is, getting the right birth data so that you are focusing on the right things when you're deconditioning and when you're leaning into your strengths. And so what I wanted to do, Sue, since you did not have your birth time, I just plugged in 12 noon because for gene keys, that's what's recommended for the golden path sequence that it generally gets you in the ballpark. It's specific, but not as specific with all the different layers of human design, you really need to have that accuracy. And there are pe people you can go to to get that. Um, what I wanted to do, 
I first created your chart in Maya Mechanics, which is an awesome tool if people want to explore this on their own. There is a subscription fee. So you can actually go to International Human Design School and get a free one. And I'll put the links in the show notes. But when I went to Maya Mechanics, they have this wonderful tool now that's all about the confidence of the birth data. And the confidence measure is basically signaling a range of when substantial portions of the chart change based on birth time. And for yours, there were things that changed in, I think it was a half hour. So I decided to do a second chart for you for two o'clock in the afternoon. And pretty much everything's the same, but I wanted to show you what changed. It was this gate, 57 which is the gate of intuitive insight. And if you were born closer to 14 o'clock or two o'clock, this gate would open up a couple more channels for you that are integration channels and these personal channels of creativity. And the reason why I was fascinated with this and why I had to share it is because we met through a Facebook group, the Lightworkers Guide, for podcasters who are getting our podcasting out in the world. And when you introduced yourself in that group, I was drawn to you. And I was drawn to your nature that felt very gentle and loving to me. And the I Ching of Gate 57 is about the gentle. Isn't that beautiful? And so I just couldn't wait to share this little aha moment. And again, either way, you still are the same cross of contagion. You still have the split definition. The other thing that changes though, if you were born closer to two o'clock would be your spleen would be defined then as well. I like to have people tell a little bit about themselves before doing a reading because it helps to bring to life their chart. But yeah, when I did a chart for myself with the wrong birth time, there were parts of it that felt very wrong to me and I didn't quite know what to do with them. So, mm -hmm. so there's something about having that correct birth time. Anyway, any final thoughts that you want to share to our listeners? How do people work with you? Yeah, a couple of things. So first of all, I just wanted to mention something that when we first, um, met up today so before we started recording and you said you'd been feeling quite emotional so I just wanted to point out to you that because you're working with people doing these charts now and talking to them and when you start helping other people you are in effect also working on yourself so you will notice changes in yourself and one of the things that happens is you start releasing old beliefs and old energy because you know we're all energy at the end of the day and energy gets stuck inside us, old memories, old limiting beliefs, and they start to go. And once you start releasing them, you get others popping up going, oh, can I be released too? And they start going at a rate of knots, but sometimes that can really wear you out and it can make you feel emotional. And that may be what's happening. It was just a thought that came to me, just my intuition said, oh, I know what that is. I say to my clients, when you do start working on yourself and you're going in quite deep, you might find you get a cold. You might find you get an upset stomach. It's just all ways of the body saying, right, let's have this big spring clean. We'll get rid of all this. <laughs> I just thought I'd mention that. As far as yeah, my coaching is concerned, I've been doing it a year now and I thought, okay, I'm going to make a little bit of a change. So I do coach self-confidence, but I want to kind of narrow in a little bit and maybe deal with women over the age of 40 because I think there is more problems when you get to 40 plus. That doesn't mean I would ignore anybody else, but I think I want to do something for those women and maybe look at the areas of social settings where we quite often lose our confidence and in the work arena where, you know, we're competing with strong-minded men and we can feel low confidence. So those are the two areas I think I'm going to start to work on a little bit more. So if anybody's got those kind of issues. Like I say, I'll work with anybody on their confidence, but that's what I'm going to hone in on and particularly building your values and boundaries because that is so important and it's quite an easy fix as well. 
So if anybody did want to work with me and they mentioned that they've heard me through the podcast, then you can have a free chat with me, 45 minutes to an hour. I can start you on your path. No expectations. I'll just, you know, point you in the right direction, if you like, give you some little tips. So we can do that if anybody's interested. For the three months after the episode launches. Three months from the episode launch. Oh, that's beautiful. That is incredibly generous of you. If a lot of people are interested, you might have to wait a little bit because I am retired, remember? (laughs) I've got my gardening to do. But yeah, I will fit you in somewhere along the line. And also, if you want to uh, buy my book, this is my book and it's on Amazon and you can either download it or you can um, buy the paperback. I love that. Oh, Sue, it has been such an honor to have you on this show and the work you're doing. It's sacred. It's so important. So many people need it. And I felt resonance with the narrowing in on a particular market where things get tougher and tougher as we've lost our voice to all of our other commitments. And 40 seems to be that decade where people start opening up and saying, enough. I matter and I need to start carving space for me again. And what a beautiful thing. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Oh, thank you. And, and thank you for going through the chart. It was so interesting. Yeah. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining me on this episode of To Be Authentic, where we explore the practical side of human design, the gene keys and the work in an integrated approach we call the quantum way. If you're new to human design and the gene keys, click the links in our show notes to get your free chart and profile. While you're there, subscribe to our mailing list to receive special offers and invitations and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and your podcast provider of choice to never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. You make this podcast matter.